Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. It only makes sense that the return of magical movies would involve the only other Bucks Magic playoff series between the two franchises. That's right, we're going back to 2001. Game 3, Magic trying to avoid a best of 5 series sweep. Uh, We played the first two games in Milwaukee fairly close. This game three, at home, in Orlando, is owned by a 21-year-old, Tracy McGrady, who racks up a 42-point near-triple-double performance in the Magic Overtime win. T-Mac accepts his Most Improved Player Award before tip-off. This is a very physical game and series. We even have a scuffle. Pat Garrity and Dee Brown are heroes in this thriller. There's no way we were getting swept. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jam. Point guard on a 7 6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! With four and one Here's Turkaloo for the win. foul on Cassell who goes after Outlaw and Scott Williams now gets into the fray. Daryl Armstrong pulls him away and the Magic can't afford to lose anybody. Doc Rivers in the middle of it. Tempers flaring in the third quarter in Orlando. Magic have numbers. Garrity again. Oh, man! Yeah, Pat Garrett, he is on fire. George Carl takes timeout. You made the call, partner, only if it's Pat Garrett shooting it. Ball is in the hands of McGrady. Magic down one. T-Mac to the bucket, puts it in, and the foul! T-Mac says that's what I'm talking about yeah. right there. Well, I'm surprised he got the whistle, David. He just hadn't gotten it. Allen dunks it with three and a half seconds to go. And the Magic call timeout. D. Brown. Miller takes it. Miller, long shot. Off the front of the rim, and we go to overtime. Strong for T-Mac. He takes it to the basket, scoops it in with a left hand. 40 points for McGrady. Well, most improved player. He's going to get some votes for most valuable player. There he goes again. Spins it in with the left hand. He is putting on an incredible display tonight. Magic beat the Bucks at the TD Waterhouse Center in Game 3, 121-116 in OT. Bucks still led the best of five series 2-1. to one. It's Tracy McGrady's first season in Orlando. Uh, the Magic were the seventh seed. Uh, we're going up, up against, obviously, a very uh, good and competitive uh, second seed Bucks team. Uh, the, it's Doc Rivers' second season as Magic head coach. We only had Grant Hill for four games that regular season as his long-term leg issues would flare up and begin, basically, for the next seven years for us, unfortunately. Um, there's previous beef with the Bucks for guys like Daryl Armstrong and Bo Outlaw. The Bucks were the reason why they snuck into the 2000 playoffs and not the 41-41 Hard and Hustle Magic team. Um, the Bucks they beat us the second to last game of that 2000 season and knocked us out. And it's really heartbreaking. It still doesn't take away how how you know how amazing that feat was for a team to win 41 games. That was predicted to win 10 games to win 41 games. But then the same Bucks team goes from being you know, sneaking into the playoffs to now they're the second seed and they'll end up making it to the Eastern Conference Finals and losing to the 76ers in a game seven. You're one game away from the NBA Finals. And that's the last time the Bucks the Bucks were actually good was that 0-1 team until now with Giannis Adetokounmpo, which the Magic are obviously gearing up. We're recording this Saturday morning just before the Magic uh, tip off at 1 p.m. against the Bucks. Uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern Time Saturday. So in Game 3 fashion, we wanted to go over this Game 3. Is This is the only other time the Magic faced the Bucks in a series. Uh, for this Game 3, the Magic started a 21-year-old McGrady, 
Daryl Flash Armstrong, Bo, Rookie of the Year, Mike Miller, and Andrew DeClerc. Uh, Daryl had been playing through a bad groin injury basically the entire series. He had to guard Ray Allen a whole bunch, and that wasn't really working, so Doc tried him on Sam Cassell a little bit more in this game. Uh, it's just unbelievable guts and work, work ethic from, from Daryl. Any guy out there knows if you got any type of groin pull or groin issue, it's really debilitating, especially when you're trying to play top-notch NBA basketball. Um, and then, you know, we'll find out after the series defeat that McGrady had a bad back, uh, which that flares up almost every season, unfortunately, not just in Orlando, but even in his Houston years and after that. Milwaukee is coached by what I regard as a renowned dick, uh, George Carl. Penny, are you a George Carl fan, or uh, are you in agreement with me on, on that description? He is, uh, he, I, I, more so than even in the past, every year he becomes increasingly smarmier and more prickish. So and I'm right there with you. You know it's bad when you get into a Twitter beef with Mark Jackson and you really don't know who to pick out of those two. That's that's the tough part. Um, I might actually favor Mark Jackson over George Hickarl, and that says a lot because Mark Jackson isn't the greatest dude in the world in my mind. Um, the Bucks started a 25-year-old Ray Allen. He's in Jesus Shuttlesworth mode at this point, who had made his second all-star team. Sam Cassell, who was on the Rockets' 95 team that beat us in the finals. Um, Glenn Robinson, who made his second and last All-Star team that season. Scott Williams, and then a 2.4 point per game Mark Pope. Um, the Bucks get 27 Ray Allen points uh, in this game. Sam Cassell with a really sturdy 21 points and 16 rebounds. That's amazing from your point guard. And then Tim Thomas with 18 bench points. And that's a pretty good showing for him, considering Pat Garrity almost murders him in this game. Um, the Bucks do win this series 3-1, to one, uh, winning Game 4 on our court by 8 points. Um, but the Magic win this Game 3. Milwaukee, like I said, will go on to a Game 7 Eastern Conference Finals loss against the Sixers. And, you know, this is just a super physical series, and this game is no different. Um, two decades later, when you watch this, you can feel that magic crowd noise and just the intensity throughout that building. Um, they were amped up for the game, and everyone on the floor is just super energized. I mean, from the get-go, you see Bo Outlaw is just everywhere on the court. I'm uh, going to quickly try and go through the game. The Bucks led 50-44 to at halftime, including a 9-0 run to end the first half. Magic are down three in the third when a scuffle happens with about seven minutes to go in that third period. I'm very glad Don Reed uh, puts my, uh, McGrady in a bear hug. Um, Penny, I believe you, you, maybe you can describe how tough of a reputation Don Reed uh, had, but I'm a little surprised we didn't actually see him in this series just because, I mean, these guys are open field tackling each other in, in the open court, and I think Don Reed probably would have been the toughest guy in the series on either team. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Yeah, especially, like, uh, it seems like he would have matched up pretty nicely against Irvin, not Magic Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just an unfortunate name to have <laughs> when your name is literally Irvin Johnson and you are the opposite for Magic on the court. Um, anyway, with the, with the scuffle that breaks out, there's six technical fouls, three on each team, so they cancel out. Uh, do you do you think it was fair from Bennett Salvatore? Because I actually do think that was a pretty fair assessment. Nobody got ejected. And, I mean, I would say, too, that this sparks our crowd and our team from there, as you'll see how the third and fourth quarter and the rest of the game goes, I guess. But would, would you agree with Bennett Salvatore's uh, three-each technical foul cancellation decision? Yeah, I think you're, uh, especially in the playoffs, a little restraint from a fiery Bennett Salvatore was a good thing. You're trying to keep the, the players on the floor and not in the locker room, right? Absolutely. So the Magic go up 14 with five minutes to go in the game thanks to a resurrected D. Brown as he's just hitting huge threes in this game. The Magic blow the lead. We go to overtime. Uh, Darvin Ham fouls out early in overtime, which means that's one less good defender on, uh, on McGrady. D. Brown puts us up one with his fourth three of the night. Then Garrity hits a long two to put us up 115-114. The Magic don't give up the lead from there, um, even though it gets very nerve-wracking at the very end. But McGrady hits back-to-back -to -back tough lefty layups. 
Again, it's very nervous at the end because the Bucks could easily tie the game with the three in the last minute or so. Um, but the Bucks make some really dumb offensive mistakes. Um, McGrady also misses two free throws that would have clinched the win, but instead Daryl has to do it as he's limping to the free throw line literally by the end of this game. And the Bucks only score six points in an over in this overtime game. Very high scoring game by by uh, by that standard, I would say. Um, McGrady leads everyone with 42 points. He only had 11 points in the first half, so he puts up 31 in the second half at OT, plus 10 assists, 8 rebounds, 14 of 32 shooting, which isn't great, um, including 0 of 2 on threes, but it's a very physical series. McGrady easily could have shot like 40 free throws in this game. I mean, if this game is played in 2020, Penny, would you say Penny, uh, McGrady shoots like 43 throws in this game? Yeah, I mean, they, again, anytime you get the pleasure of watching Tracy McGrady um, in his prime or approaching his prime, he, he's so slippery, like, not only drawing contact um, on the perimeter, but, you know, he he gets hit every time he gets to the rim. Too. Yeah, so Tracy plays 50 minutes, 5-0 in this game. He shoots 14 of 18 from the free throw line. Again, he easily could have shot 30 more in this game. Um, there's still a large free throw difference gap between the Magic and the Bucks, at, which greatly favored Milwaukee in this series. And everyone's just unhappy about it from the Magic point of view of the entire series. Um, Daryl ends up with 18 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, and a block. Bo has 8 points, which it seemed low. I'm watching this game, and I feel like Bo has at least 14 points in this game. But instead, he's got 8 points, 14 rebounds, 4 steals, 3 assists, 2 blocks, Bo still got it at this point in 2001. Off the bench, two big contributions. Patrick Joseph Garrity drops 16 points. D. Brown gets 12. D. Brown, who was signed in the summer of 2000, he was out injured the majority of the season. He actually got hurt playing a pickup game in the offseason. So he only ends up playing seven games that regular season. And then... The next season, 01-02, he only plays seven more games that next season before he retires. So this is literally like the last big D. Brown shout for him, um, especially since uh, George Carl will uh, will snitch on D. Brown for getting off the scorer's table onto the court during the scuffle. And because he snitched, uh, D. Brown is suspended for game four. And that ends up being a big loss because we lose game four. But anyway... We provided two YouTube links. Uh, the Sunshine Network Magic broadcast includes David Steele and Jack Goose Givens. It's a more condensed version. It's cut a little bit, but the audio and, vi and visuals are way, way better than the other options, which is the TNT broadcast. You get the whole thing. You get the whole game in its entirety, but it's it's a lot less clear for sure. Um, but Bob Neal and Mike Fratello are on the call with Cheryl Miller as the sideline reporter. The refs are Joe Forte, Bennett Salvatore, and Mark Wunderlich. Uh, it's a sellout, 17,248 at the TD Waterhouse Center. Former Magic players in this game. There's only one, and he doesn't actually play in this game, but he plays sparingly in the series. It's a 24-year-old, second-year player, Rafer Alston, who plays, again, very little in the series and not at all in this game. Okay, you ready for the categories, Penny? Let's do it. All right. The Jack Sweater Vest Guy Nelson Fashion Award. I have two that I'll state right now. Uh, Jack Sweater Vest Guy Nelson himself, not wearing a sweater vest. He's wearing a suit. He looks good. He's sitting behind the magic bench. During the scuffle, he's yelling at the refs in classic Jack Nelson fashion. Um, on the TNT broadcast, you also catch him at the end uh, near the tunnel when they the magic leave after McGrady's interview. But um, my other option is Terry Stotts, who's a Bucks assistant, who has... And most of the coaches on, on both staffs are wearing dark-ish tan suits. Um, but his haircut makes it look like he has not changed his look since the 1980s. Like, the hairstyle is just... It looked like he'd had that hair for at least 20 years. And, I mean, even now, as a head coach of Portland, like, it hasn't changed much. So those are my two options. I'm going to go with Jack because the award is named after him. And Jack looks good. I don't know what you got, Benny. Yeah, I think the only other one that I had not mentioned was the George Carl suit, and we talk about what a prick he is. Um, <laughs> and the, and, you know, the last like probably eight years of his coaching career, he he started going. To, well, first of all, he got fatter and fatter, right? Yeah. Um, and well, then, then he got really. The well, then he got the really. Okay. Yeah, then he got the really sick issue, and lost yeah. the weight. But yeah, right. you're, you're right. Yeah. You are correct. But yes. He, he did go uh, 
like mock turtleneck and really like uh, you know uh, homeless man Stan Van Gundy t-shirt under the coat. So uh, his suit and tie was actually um, uh, appropriate for the era, but uh, in terms of the award, you have to go for the namesake, Mr. Jack Nelson. All right. That's easy enough. Next category, most magical momentum move. I have two listed. Both of them happen in the third quarter in my mind. Uh, I list the fight itself. We're down three. There's 7-12 left in the third. Uh, again, Cassell and Bo. We, let's talk about the fight now, I guess. And it's not really a fight. It's just kind of a, a little bit of shoving here and there. But skirmish. Yeah, it's a skirmish. It's a little bit of a scuffle, maybe. Cassell fouls Bo right in front of the magic bench. Cassell doesn't like it. Bo's just Bo. He's, I mean, he's way bigger than Cassell, and I mean, it's Bo doesn't doesn't really react. And then Scott Williams just escalates the whole thing. Daryl starts running in. He 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 tries to pull Williams back, and then Williams is trying to. I don't know if he's trying to throw an elbow or just get away from Daryl. But Daryl then just runs like circles around him. It's it's just hilarious in, in my mind. Um, uh, that's the most angry and emotional I think I've ever seen Pat Garrity look in his, you know, eight years with the Magic or whatever it is. Like Pat's ready to throw. Scott, Pat's ready to throw. The second that Scott Williams comes around, like he's going to square up on Daryl, the split second instinct to like protect his teammate um, comes through. So that was kind of fun to see too. Pat's a treasure in my book. Um, and then. McGrady comes in to help out Daryl. He pushes Scott Williams, and then at just as it's about to, you know, calm down a little bit more, uh, the big puppy, I guess, uh, Glenn Robinson comes in and gets a shove in on T Mac because McGrady's been talking shit about him this entire series. Um, and then that's when the six technical fouls get dished out. But then Garrity gets fouled on a three immediately out of the timeout. Crowd's going nuts because they're now into the game. Pat's hit all. Pat hits all three free throws. Ties the game at sixty sixty. Now I split up this next part because it takes a little bit of time. But Garrity hits three straight triples. A few min, like about a minute and a half after that, where there's just a bunch of rebounding and scrapping in between all those made shots. I think D Brown misses a three on every single one of those, and then Bo gets involved in rebounds. Like everybody's getting an offensive rebound at this point. But we go from down sixty three sixty. To up 69-63, the roof is just being sent skywards as Tim Thomas is probably concussed on the floor on the other end as Garrity was boxing him out, and then Pat hits that three-three, you know, that third three-pointer. Um, I'm just gonna put put the fight in because the fight technically leads to Garrity then hitting three threes. I don't know what you got. Yeah, I had a singular moment within that stretch, which is you talked about Garrity getting fouled on three-point attempt. Um, which is kind of a rarity at that time, too. And then he does make all three free throws, but the third free throw in that trio is like a bouncing Kawhi leonard shot where it, it kicks up on the back of the rim and goes straight up and bounces like three times for it to drop. So that particular free throw is the one that had actually tied the game at 60 apiece. Um, and the crowd got into it because the crowd always kind of gets into the novel plays like that, especially that Orlando crowd. Um, so that was the play that tied the game and kind of spurred, I think, uh, um, the rest of the, the ensuing run, too. Yeah, I think we could just include that whole thing. From the fight to that that third Garrity three-pointer, I think we're, we're good on that. So, All right, next category, the Brian Hill clipboard smashing play of the game. I have two. Um, Garrity gets tagged with a BS flagrant foul, and Doc also gets a technical foul about uh, set with 7.30 to go in the first half. Um, that's not a flagrant foul in my mind, and I mean, even the Magic broadcast was really sketchy about it. I, I don't know. What do you think? Because I thought Pat's going for the ball the whole time. Yeah, and especially in that era, too, for you know that kind of close call to go. Uh, flagrant as opposed to common didn't seem necessarily appropriate, but we're Magic fans. There are way harder fouls in this game than what Pat did. And then uh, if you watch the TNT broadcast, they show McGrady getting decked in game one, and then in game two, I think the clerk lays out Ray Allen. So I don't know if they were trying to compare that to this for game three, but that doesn't come anywhere near close. Pat's trying to make a play on the ball. Um, 
And then my other thing was there's just so many football tackles that occur leading to just no foul calls at all. And, I mean, if I'm either coach, I'm just going insane and maybe getting myself thrown out because there's so many no calls. I guess in that regard with the tackles, because the refs were consistent on both ends, I guess you got to live with it. But somebody really could have gotten hurt on a couple of these tackles. But I don't know what you got. Uh, my clipboard smashing play of the game, and I guess it's true that things change, but they always stay the same. You never really feel comfortable in the Magic lead by five with a minute and a half to go. Um, but yeah. coming out of a timeout, uh, Milwaukee runs like a little high pick and roll with Ray Allen and Darvin Ham, and uh, they the Magic do do the appropriate thing in terms of not letting Ray Allen shoot a three, but they don't. They also do not um, account for a rolling Darvin Ham going straight to the front of the rim for yet another um, Ham sandwich. Yeah. And uh, that cuts the lead to three, and there was just zero resistance at all, um, which kind of completed the, uh, or, you know, set the stage for completing giving away the lead and, and pushing the game into overtime. Yeah. I mean, I, what, what you just described as an actual play or sequence in the game. So I'm going with what you got. You have, do you have any other ones? That was the only one I had because you get sick and tired of seeing, seeing Darvin Ham uh, actually put like offensive points on the board. I mean, to be fair, the man was just a walking dunk contest. The man had a history of breaking rims. So from that perspective, like that's what he did, but I, I agree. It's, and I mean, like he, he he probably defends McGrady the best out of all of them, and that's why I'm quite glad he fouls out in overtime because then McGrady comes up clutch at the end with a couple of very nifty lefty layups. But um, yeah, we'll go with that one for the winner. Next category: the Richie Adubato best broadcast moment. I have a list of five, so I didn't realize it's just funny to see this. But the Magic had the sixth best offense in the league, averaging a robust 97 points per game. Uh, and it's just funny seeing that now. If you if you if you're scoring 97 points per game now in an NBA game, uh, you are bare, bottom of the barrel by far. So um, this is this game three to to both teams credit. It's it's quite high scoring. So um, you know, so credit to both teams for that, I guess. Because I mean, this is the era where you could you saw a lot of 80 something point games. Um, all right, next one I have. Mike Fratello on the TNT call, uh, broadcast uh, calls out Magic fans for not being in their seats at the start of the third. Fratello's just whipping through one-liners, and they're actually pretty great for most of it. Um, and then Bennett Salvatore, when he's mic'd up uh, on the TNT broadcast, trying to figure out with Joe Forte which players should be tagged with the uh, technical fouls. They get it right, but... They don't seem certain as they're going through the discussion process. Um, I, I, I would like to think they got some help maybe from, from the scorer's table or something because it they looked a little worried and confused, but they got it right. Um, I got two more. On the Sunshine Network feed, when McGrady gets the and one to put us, put us ahead again late in regulation before the Ray Allen tying dunk, there's a woman just sobbing uncontrollably in the crowd. I mean, I'm we're all this woman because the Magic were about to suffer just a monumental choke job. And it sums up how intense the game is. You don't ever get that like much emotion at Amway Center. That's just that's old building carrying an energy. And I'm this woman during this point of the game. Like she's just sobbing like crazy. Um, and then the last one I have is uh, Jack Goose Givens. After McGrady gets up to 40 points, he goes, he, you know, here's his quote to David. Well, most improved player, he's going to get votes for most valuable player. And he, he wasn't lying. He finished sixth in MVP voting that year. So out of those five, I'm picking the sobbing woman after the McGrady uh, and one to get him 40 because it's, it's, there's so much emotion in this game. What you got? Yeah, uh, that one's pretty good. That kind of coincides with mine, which is uh, I forgot about the Sunshine Network broadcasting to where – there were a lot of crowd cutaways after pretty, pretty much like routine plays where they stayed on the crowd for a long time. Um, and I actually had one after the McGrady and one too. They, they cut to um, kind of like a frat boy guy with a polo shirt and a backwards hat. And he was like, well, that's the fucking game. The <laughs> I didn't see game. that. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was not the fucking game because Ray Allen obviously had a dunk. Um, 
but it was a very appropriate reaction for the way the gentleman was dressed. So, so that's my uh, best broadcast moment. And I think on the whole, uh, I would like to give it to the Sunshine Network camera operator for for finding uh, worthwhile fans to to put on the TV. Yeah, let's go with that because I have I have what you said in another category, which was the Tree Rollins Oldie But a Goodie uh, Award. So. I'm, we can give it to the Sunshine Network folks. I, I miss those crowd shots, and I guess you can't do that now because too many people are on their phones maybe, or I, I don't know. Maybe there's like privacy issues now that they didn't care about back then. But um, I, you well, see a lot of people in the crowd. Now. What's that? Yeah, I said the pace is too fast now. you got uh, six bleeding offense at 97 points a game, and now we're pushing 110. If you stay on the crowd too long, you're missing the next basket too. That's very true. So, yeah, we'll give the Sunshine Network crew the uh, Richie Adubato Award. So, uh, next category, the Brian Cook Heat Check Award. I only see two options here. I see I have Pat Garrity's three straight threes in the third, or you go with D. Brown hitting three threes in a two-minute span in the, min- in the middle of the fourth quarter. I'm going probably with D. Brown since that comes later, and it, it gives a magic a buffer that you think they won't choke away. But I'm going to go with D. Brown. I don't know if you had anything else with that. Yeah, D. Brown and his kind of carried over into overtime with a couple of big hits too, but he can go either way because uh, it seems like in the first half there was a lot of chucking and missing. So he uh, was certainly not shy about firing it up. Um, and as you mentioned too, he didn't get a lot of game action for, for the Magic that year. So the time that he was on the floor, he was ready to fire away. If McGrady isn't so amazing, we basically call this the D. Brown game. And in some ways, it is the D. Brown game. Um, even though you know, Patrick, Patrick Gar- Joseph Garrity has his moments and 16 points, D. Brown's four threes are, are immense in this game. So we'll give it to D. Next category, the Lumide Oyadeji That Guy Award. So there's a couple ways you can look at it. From the Magic perspective, it's got to be D. Brown because he only plays 14 regular season games ever for the Magic. And then the, you know a couple handful of playoff games, and that's it for his Magic career. He's he retires. He doesn't play another NBA again. From the Milwaukee side, you could go with Mark Pope for the Bucks, who I completely forgot Mark Pope existed um, until I watched this game. So I think he's by default my winner. He was white, by the way. That too. I I I don't know if I was thinking Mark Jackson, like M R A C Jackson who used to be like a center for the Warriors, I guess. Um, I don't know if I was thinking of him, but I forgot about Mark Pope entirely. So he wins by default. My other op- option was maybe Darvin Ham, just because, especially with those thunderous dunks he throws down. But Mark Pope's my winner. I don't know if you got a, another one. Uh, I, the only other one uh, who you kind of see when they go to the skirmish by the bench, and obviously not a player. So, But Paul Pressey was the... Uh, assistant coach, longtime assistant coach yeah. for Doc Rivers, and also um, pretty good player in his day. And there's a tie in there with Milwaukee too. But uh, it's hard to go against Mark Pope getting playoff minutes. Yeah, that's he's he's definitely the winner. The Johnny Davis Coaching Botch Award. I have three items listed. Um, you can argue this shouldn't count because we won this game. But Doc saying if the Magic won Game Three that the series was going back to Milwaukee. Uh, doesn't age well it's it implies we'd also win game four I just kind of wanted to throw that in there that's not going to be my pick my other two are are we sure John Amici who looks really nimble in this contest and actually has a touch uh shouldn't have played more than six minutes because you have Andrew DeClerc who had terrible hands DeClerc fouls out in 14 minutes of action as it's just it's a hammer fest out there with all the fouls and then Michael Doliak uh wasn't good in his 10 minutes Do you you think John Amici should have gotten more time, Penny? Yeah, you really kind of forget his his first season with the Magic, he kind of came out of nowhere, right? And uh, ended up starting several games and really had an impact. But he kind of got squeezed out of the rotation the rest of the time here. Yeah. Um, So it was kind of interesting, again, that he chose to re-sign for less money here rather than taking the, the Lakers money. He was a good guy, and we screwed him over twice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, especially just in terms of being an offensive threat and being able to, to shoot the ball. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that he didn't get more time for sure. John has a couple moves in this game where he just sashays through the defense and I'm just like, yeah, give me more of that. And 
Doliak was shot wasn't going down, and you know Declerc is Declerc. I mean, he's literally in there to pick up six fouls. Just literally, it's you know. It, but you know, if Michi goes in, you know, when especially when Declerc fouls out, and then when you have like Bo with foul trouble, um, which I'll mention later, I guess. Um, you know, I'm surprised John doesn't get like big, you know, more fourth quarter minutes. The other one I had was um, Doc Rivers is drawing up too many ISOs. So for McGrady, it's fine. You know, McGrady's you know the man in isolated post situations. But when you got guys like Bo Outlaw you know, who shouldn't get the ball that far from the hoop, it's it's just a waste of possessions in my mind. Um, and look, I understand this is Doc's first playoff series as a head coach, but uh, that that one didn't age well for me. Uh, my pick for coaching botch would probably be actually John Amici not getting more time. What about you? Um, yeah, I had a couple. Uh, first of all. The final shot of regulation, I don't know if that's exactly a coaching botch, but um, when Tracy McGrady is on the floor and you come away with a uh, baby face to Mike Miller half-court heave um, with three seconds basically still on the clock, uh, that doesn't seem acceptable at the end of a playoff game. Um, and then also, too, in terms of rotation and playing time, I think you forget that uh, the starting front court for the magic again was andrew de clerk and Bo outlaw can you imagine that pairing um playing today with <laughs> two complete zeros on the offensive end hey man i feel like Bo could play anytime anywhere just with what he does but it you're right from a spacing perspective that's that's just a nightmare so uh what do you have anything else or was that it those were the two that i had but i agree with you i think uh you know through no fault of michael doliak but uh there, there was there was a certainly a better center rotation that could have taken place uh, throughout the course of this series. I mean, maybe the only other point that just kind of popped in my head was maybe you don't play Troy Hudson at all and you just give D Brown more minutes because D Brown doesn't show up till the second half. I don't think he played the whole first half, and Troy does not do much in this game. But I'm going with Amici, and we'll go on from there, I guess. Um, the Stan Van Gundy Best Coaching Decision Award. So I'm going to piggyback off your uh, off your last play of regulation thing with Doc and actually give George Carl actually a little bit of credit. So he does not have an inbound defender on that last play of regulation. Instead, they just they just use that guy to double Tracy, which forces a a bad Mike Miller, and Mike just does not have a good series at all. He he shows his rookie self here, um, but Mike's forced into a very uncomfortable, you know, long three-point look, and we go to overtime. But I'll give Carl some uh, some credit for that. And then my other best coaching decision was Doc Rivers coming to his senses and realizing I should probably put D. Brown in this game and throwing him in the second half. So I'm going to give uh, D. Brown uh, another shout for this award. Maybe you got better options than I do. Um, yeah, so I my best coaching decision was going offense defense with D Brown and Mike Miller, uh, like at the end of the game. Um, I thought that was pretty smart and, uh, he showed trust both in the veteran who hasn't done much and also in kind of the young player who doesn't have a track record and certainly not in the playoffs. All right, let's go with that one then, unless you got another one. That's all I had. All right. Next category, the best, huh? I forgot about that moment. I have five. So I forgot that McGrady received his NBA Most Val- most Improved Player Award before tip-off. Um, I just missed that in general, players getting awards before games, especially in front of their home crowd. Um, that definitely got you know the place a little bit more energized was McGrady winning that. Um, and then George Carl and Doc Rivers having beef in general – I forgot that uh, George Carl, who's, again, a prick, uh, expressed his unhappiness that Doc went straight from the broadcasting booth to getting a head coaching job without putting in, I guess, the time or the years of service. Whatever, man. Doc, you know, it, it, It's worked out pretty well for Doc now, uh, many years later. But um, even with the magic, like it's that, that, that hire was very good at the time. And even though you know it didn't last as long as we were all hoping, um, I mean, he still got, what, five seasons out of it so um four seasons yeah so uh, i got three other ones um if you watch the tnt broadcast um ernie johnson in the studio comes in with a game break stating that uh the knicks marcus camby was uh not playing their their game uh, i forget who the knicks were playing in that series but 
It was because his mom and his two sisters were taken hostage for eight hours, which just sounds horrendous and not something I've, I've, I've ever heard of or, or, or really seen ever before. So um, that was weird if you watch the TNT feed. The other two I got is Bo Outlaw picks up his fifth foul with 10.30 to go in regulation, and then he doesn't foul out even though you know he, he plays in the overtime. He plays 42 minutes. It's impressive. There's a few times late in the fourth during the Bucks comeback where Bo probably would have made a, would have committed a foul, but you know it worked out. We won the game, and it was just impressive that Bo didn't foul out after you know after playing basically what like another 12 minutes of action. Um, and then I have McGrady's 42 points tied the uh, at the at the time tied the Magic playoff scoring record, which was held by Penny Hardaway, who did it in the '97 Heat playoff series. Um, McGrady would go on to own that record outright later on in his Magic career. But, um, God, out of those moments, I guess I'm going to go with the George Carl Doc Rivers beef. I completely just forgot about that. I don't know what options you got. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Uh, he, again, as you mentioned, he, uh, in every single way, just as much as he can be, was always a prick. George Carl, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I, I'm going to go back to the assistant coaching staff for the Magic. You kind of forget, um, because as you mentioned, too, this was Doc Rivers' first head coaching job um, and his second season. So uh, he actually assembled a pretty good staff, and the remaining holdover from the previous regime, actually from several previous regimes, uh, Tom Sterner. Absolutely. And then also Dave Wall, Paul Pressey and uh, future Magic head coach Johnny Davis. It's a good staff. It's a strong staff, for sure. Pretty um, good staff, yeah. Any others? Or do you want to pick? What do you want to go, Carl and Doc, or you want something else? Yeah, let's go Carl and Doc Rivers. And okay. also, as yep. a uh, 1A and 1B, 1B, the Marcus Camby thing is, is uh, downright horrifying. Yeah, it's. I was just like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So... All right, next category, the best musical performance. I'm keeping this light. I have three options. Uh, if you listen to the TNT broadcast, I like the old TNT ticker noise every time the ticker came up. And then uh, TNT's intro-outro music going uh, in and out of commercials. Just good good, good beats, um, strong beats. The other two I have, it's a classic, but a super loud, loudly played Hit the Road Jack when Darvin Ham fouls out at the start of overtime. It's maybe the loudest they've blared that song. Um, and then the other one was uh, the final countdown being played on the last Bucks possession of overtime. And then just Paul Porter just going absolutely nuts getting the crowd going. Paul really wanted that game. Um, I don't know if you got any any of them, any you know, picks of your own or what you want to go with, Penny. Yeah, Paul is uh, a true tr- treasure as well um, and always brings it during playoff time. I think it's hard to beat the, uh, the hit the road jack, especially when um, it's like uh, an antagonist type player who um, you finally get to see him disqualified. So I'm actually going to pick the TNT ticker noise and TNT intro outro music, actually, just because we've discussed the other stuff before and other podcasts. Yep. This is a this is a new one, so I'm going with that. There you go. Fair enough. Okay, next category, the Tree Rollins Oldie But a Goodie Award. So again, what's aged well? We already mentioned the Sunshine Network broadcast being awesome and getting the crowd shots in, um, you know, in between breaks and play. It's it's just great. Um, the other two I have are just the first round being a best of five series. I just like how there was larger potential for chaos and upsets. Also, if you're the better team... You should be rewarded for cruising to a 3-0 series win rather than having to play a fourth game and being able to just save your energy for tougher series going ahead. And look, this was the second to last season that the best of five series for the first round existed, as we would see in the 3 playoffs when the format moved to a best of seven. The Magic are up 3-1 on the on the Pistons, and normally they would have you know moved on to the second round, but then they choked it and lost 4-3. So... Um, I missed the best of five first round series. I don't know. Do, do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think, Penny? Yeah, you, I mean, to your point, it just creates more of an environment for stuff to, to happen. Um, so I, I guess I understand why the change was made. But from a uh, from a casual observer perspective, uh, it definitely is more entertaining and, and more fun. And, you know, 
just like the the NCAA tournament where anything can happen. Um, with professionals, anything can happen when you only need to win three and when you need to win four. Uh, it's, a, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. So the only other option I had was uh, this is basically just a back-and-forth brawl that also includes basketball on the side being played. Um, neither team's backing down. It's impossible with today's NBA rules for games like this to exist now, but this was just like a fight, and there's some basketball occurring, and the Magic thankfully won this fight for this game at least. But that's a, that's a good Milwaukee team that had like a strong core and just guys that were that were ready to, to win. And, I mean, they almost made it to NBA Finals. But um, uh, what options you got, Penny? I had three other minor options, the first being – um, you forget about the that year, the TD Waterhouse Center court. Um, I thought the court design was just really cool. Um, and the Orlando Magic like script on the baseline, uh, I was always a fan of that. Looks so good. That's an oldie. Yeah, oldie goodie for me. Um, the other thing uh, was the banner ads on the scorer's table. And I kind of got to thinking, like, you just don't see the rotating ads anymore like that. Yeah. Um, I guess because they're all digital now. So it probably saves them a bunch of money that they don't have to print and <laughs> and paste and, you know, make sure the rollers work and service those. Um, but, you know, playoff action tomorrow. Yeah. NBC. They look uh, good. They put more effort into those ads. So. Yeah. And then finally, uh, you forget how pristine Doc Rivers' hairline was in 2001. It's good. It's not an entirely stressed Doc Rivers yet at this point. Like, his yeah. voice is normal. It hasn't cracked yet. Like, it's it's a fresh Doc still. So, yeah. Um, my only thing with the court is it's kind of jarring how small the mid-court logo looked compared to other years, especially now. It looks kind of small. It's still a good mid-court logo at the time, but um, it, the court in general is still pretty solid. What do you want to go with? Um, I'm going to go with Doc Rivers' hair. <laughs> Let's do uh, Doc. Let's... Comparatively now, we've, we've seen uh, the regression. Let's go with Doc. Doc, Doc, Doc looks good, man. So, um, Next category, the Dominique Wilkins Oldie Not a Goodie Award. So I'm going to put this here. Uh, McGrady just talking to the media a whole bunch just in the series and this game calling you know big dog Lynn Robinson puppy dog. It was funny, and it worked out in Game 3, and he kept talking to him to just completely piss him off, but he also pissed off the rest of the Bucks, and it didn't work out in the series. But McGrady defended Robinson well. At the time, he was holding him from like 22 points down to 14 for the series. So um, in that regard, he did well, but I think the rest of the Bucks were so pissed off that they, they really ratcheted up the intensity, and our team just couldn't handle it. But... Um, the other two that I have was Ernie Johnson's goatee in the TNT story. Just not, I, I'm not a goatee guy, and it didn't look good on Ernie. Just keep the clean-cut look that you got now, man. It's it's fine. Um, and then the other one that I had listed, which you'll see, which you see in the Sunshine Network broadcast, was the green camouflage pants with a blue tank top that the Magic Dancers were wearing. It's just not a good look in my mind. It's not a good color combo. I'm actually picking that as my winner. Is the is that fashion combo. Yeah, the cutaways to the dancers were interesting. It kind of got me thinking. I I wonder if every year, and, and of course now there are no longer magic dancers as it's the co-ed hype team or whatever. Correct, yes. Um, but I wonder if every year in the franchise's existence, if the average age of the dancer went down every year. Because looking at... Uh, 2001, it, it seemed like an older class of women um, than more recently, where it's kind of like fresh out of high school, you know, college dancers and stuff. So it kind of seemed matronly a little bit, um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> my my oldie not a goodie, surprisingly, because I feel like he kind of was a magic killer for most of his career, was uh, Tim Thomas, who even not necessarily was old then, um, but I think he ended up shooting like two of 13 for this game. Um, and this playoff run was actually like the worst playoff run of his entire career. Cause he's kind of a um, thorn in your side clutch player. And one of those guys that always seemed to find a way to get to 20 points somehow. Well, um, I, I think he had kind of crap the bed. 
Well, you said Tim Thomas? Tim Thomas. Let me see, because I thought I said Tim Thomas had 18. Maybe maybe I had that wrong. Um, I could Yeah, Tim Thomas has 18 points off the bench, so he actually has a good game here. I don't know what he shot, but... Um, 4 of 13 from the floor. Okay, so whatever. It's not a good game. I mean, he still scores 18, but okay, that, that's fair. I'll give that to you. Yeah, we, we can go with that. Um, also, Pat Garrity almost killed him, so there's that too. <laughs> but... Um, I'm gonna go with the dancer outfits. Um, also, from your point, from your, you know, from your point, because I I've seen articles and and stuff, but I mean, basically these dancers were making like 50 bucks a game, basically. So, um, right. I don't know how much you can live off that, uh, especially when there's only 41 home games plus playoffs. But um, maybe they're getting paid a little bit better back then. I you know I don't know, but at least in the last decade they haven't been getting paid anything, and now that. You know, there's no more magic dancers, it's more co-ed. It's probably better in that regard, but um, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, I'm going with the camouflage pants as being the uh, as being the winner of that award. I don't know if you if you want to pick a different Dominique Wilkins oldie, not a goodie award. I think that's a good choice. Okay, couple more most magical shots. So most important bucket in the game. I list four here, I guess. Uh, McGrady with the magic blowing their 14 point lead. Down one, Tracy comes out of the timeout, 35 seconds left, and he converts that and one. Um, and then I got to give Ray Allen a shout out because the drive and poster at the end of regulation just deserves a shout in its own. He goes by a gimpy Daryl Armstrong and kind of dunks on Tracy McGrady. Um, that's just an, a sick dunk. And then the way he just kind of, you know, he holds the pose a little bit and just slowly just kind of floats down off the rim it's it's a sick look it's really this is you know people think of ray allen as the three-point shooter but this is really ray allen like athletically at his best where he he can win dunk contests and he's just floating in the air it's it, it was sick um and then the other two i had was mcgrady shoots a turnaround jumper while being double teamed with about 9 30 to go in regulation it gets a bunch of bounces on the rim and it finally drops to put us up eight. I thought it was a great. It would have been typically a great omen for how the rest of the game would would go. We nearly blew it in regulation, but we did end up winning the game in overtime. I thought that shot was a cool moment. And then Garrity's long two in overtime, or maybe McGrady's two driving lefty layups. You know, one of those two, obviously, because they literally technically won us the game. Um, I don't know. It's tough to say. I'm gonna end up going with the McGrady and one uh, layup. Uh, yeah, and one layup in regulation to basically save us from choking away that game. That's my pick. I don't know what you got, Penny. Yeah, the McGrady lefty and one. Um, I think is the most magical, magical shot, magic <laughs> shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to go against that Ray Allen dunk where it's disgusting. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's like uh, he did like the Spider Man hang around thing after. Um, yeah. and well deserved too. So that was uh, probably the best shot of the game um, for either team. All right, I'm going with the McGrady one. It's a magic podcast. Just wanted to give Ray Allen his respect. Go. So, um, is anyone at their peak here? I kind of keep this short because it's a playoff game, um, but basically most of the Bucks team, I mean, they do fall short of making the NBA Finals losing in Game 7 um, of the Eastern Conference Finals to Allen Iverson 76ers. Like, it's it's basically almost the entire Bucks team minus Ray Allen. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any, like, magic players to really pick out here as, as in their prime. I don't know if they're as in their peak here. I don't know if you if you delved in any deeper than I did, Penny. No, I don't think any of the Magic players at that time were were peaking. But I will say, specifically, I feel like your to your point with Ray Allen's athleticism. I think that was like his first peak. That was his Milwaukee peak. Yeah. Um, separate from Seattle, and then you know the rest of his career and, and stuff as a specialist, but. Um, really kind of harnessing all of that athleticism and becoming more of a complete player. Yeah, so we'll just say most of the Bucks because, like, it's it's honestly Mark Pope averages 2.4 points per game in the season, and that's his best scoring season. So I'm literally saying most of the Bucks because, like, Glenn Robinson starts falling off after this. Um, 
It's technically not Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell, I think at the age of 34, is when he's with the Timberwolves when they make like the Western Conference Finals. And he's actually, that's his only season that Cassell's an all-star. So other than Cassell and Ray Allen, it's probably everybody else's except for also Ray for Alston, which that comes later. But um, I would say like 60% of the Bucks roster at a minimum, um, it's their peak during this time. So, all right. Which player comes out of this game looking the best? Uh, I've listed three, but there's really it's tough to pick anyone other than McGrady. Like I mean, we you could say Ray Allen is in his prime physical form here. It's again not his best season because he's not shooting as many threes as he does later on. But there's some just emphatic dunks that he throws down that are ridiculous um, to go along with the rest of his game. Uh, there are points where Ray Allen does disappear, though. Um, and then Sam Cassell it hits some just really timely shots that prevented the Magic from really blowing the Bucks out in the second half. Um, I'm going with McGrady, though. I don't know if you want to p- put anyone else in there, Penny. There, there's only one answer, and it's Tracy Lamar McGrady for, what, 42, 10, and 8. I mean, come on, man. All right, that's that's it for the categories. I don't know, Penny. You got any final thoughts for this contest? Again, the Magic will lose this. You know, we'll lose that series. But we wanted to bring this back because you know, literally, Game Three of the 2020 first round playoff, you know, playoff matchup against the Bucks is about to tip off here, and we wanted to sneak this in, being this was also a Game Three. Um, hopefully, the Magic like that Game Three will win this Game Three today. And uh, yeah, any other final thoughts on this? Uh, let's hope that history does not repeat and that we only win one game in the series against Milwaukee. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'll say that I was not hopeful at the start of the series and I'm much more hopeful now. So, uh, we'll see what happens today and beyond. All right. Hey man, it's Orlando magic day, you know, 1986, August 22nd, you know, it's the anniversary of it. So, We've never had a basketball game on this day. I'm hoping for good stuff, but we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Stroud. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go Magic, take care, and just win. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, yeah. Yeah. Get out the way, get the fuck up on my way, yeah. Yeah. You and